grace and mercy and peace belong to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The year is 1530, two years ago, 1530, and our friend Martin Luther, the founder of what came to be known as the Lutheran Church, is preparing a sermon and he's struggling to find a way to communicate to his hearers the, the concept of bearing the cross and, 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 and what that involves in the, the daily life of, of the Christian. And, and so he hits on this idea of making use of a popular fable at the time. And so he tells this, refers to this popular story. The, it's a pretty much a made-up story. It's a story about a man by the name of Christopher. Christopher is a great big man, well over seven feet tall, big, strong, giant of a man. And it's Christopher's job that he's taken upon himself in their little village there's a river that goes through their village, and he's taken it upon himself that he helps people across the river if they need help. They line up on the shoreline, and big, strong Christopher will pick them up and carry them across the river to the other side. That's what he does. One day, showing up at the, the shoreline along the river, little child, little child, asks Christopher, could you please carry me across the river? Christopher looks at the little child and thinks, well, this, will, this won't take a bit. Nice little child, nice light load, no problem. So he puts the child on his shoulders, begins to walk across the river, but he notices for some reason with every single step, the child gets heavier and heavier and heavier, so much so that he gets to the middle of the river, he's, he's afraid he's, he's going to drown. But he doesn't drown, he keeps walking, and he finally makes it to the other side, and he puts the child down, and he asks the child, little child, why are you so heavy? Well, then in the fable, in the story, the child replies, I am the Christ child. Whoever carries me carries the weight of the world. Popular fable at the time. Luther used that to illustrate the Christian bearing the cross. He said, a lot of us are like Christopher when we at first looking at this little child. We look at Christianity, Luther says, and we think, oh, this, this is easy. This is easy. Trust in Jesus as your Savior through faith in him. You're fully forgiven. His promises surround you. Heaven is my home. What could be easier? But Luther goes on, but then you find that as you carry this Christian faith step by step through your life, then you discover that the hostile oppression coming from the devil and the hostile oppression to Christ and the gospel coming from the broken world around you and the hostile oppression erupting up within your old sinful self that this all comes after you and comes down upon you so that there are moments when you can feel as if you're going to drown under the weight. He said that very often is the reality of the Christian life in bearing the cross. 
bearing the cross. To bear the cross, let's understand this, is, is any, any burden that you and I bear in our lives as a result of trusting in our Savior. Any burden you and I bear in this life as a result of trusting in Jesus as our Savior. That has huge ramifications. But that brings us to Mark chapter 8. The disciples, Jesus' disciples, have been with Jesus now for some time. They have seen him preach. They have seen him teach. They have seen him heal. They have seen him drive out demons. They have seen him calm storms. They have seen Jesus raise the dead. But now on this day, there's something of a pivot point in their ministry. He gets specific about what now is going to take place. He says that very soon he is going to suffer. He will be rejected by all the religious authorities. He will be killed. And three days later, he will rise from death. One of his disciples, impulsive, quick to speak, Peter, immediately pulls Jesus aside after hearing this and says, Oh, oh Jesus, don't, don't talk that way. You, you, you can't talk that way. No, just put those things out of your mind. And to his shock, and no doubt to the shock of all the other disciples, Jesus turns on him with some vehemence and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. As Jesus' appointment with Calvary, with the cross, loomed before him, he knew that anything that distracted him from here on out was from the darkness. And he had to be deadly serious about what was coming up because the entire reason why Jesus had come into the world was to keep his appointment with the cross. And with that, he turns to not only to the disciples, but the whole crowd who is there and speaks to them about an aspect of trusting him as their Savior that he knew that they would have to begin to grasp. He turns to all of them and says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. That is just antithetical to everything that our old sinful nature wants to do. But let him deny himself, take up his cross. Whatever harsh, difficult consequence you find as a result of being a Christian, let him take up his cross and follow me. Now, let's be absolutely clear. When Jesus uses this phrase of take, let him take up his cross, this is not some poetic turn of phrase that he's using. He is saying this in the age of the reality of the Roman Empire. And everyone hearing him knew all about the Roman method of execution by crucifixion. And so when they heard him speaking of the cross, that is what they, that is what they pictured in their minds. 
Therefore, in their minds, the cross equaled carrying great difficulty as a result of being a Christian. It involved enduring great hardship as a result of being a Christian. It involved supreme self-sacrifice. And so with that in mind, brothers and sisters, here's two questions for you and me to consider. At this moment in time, what is the cross in your life? What is the cross in your life? And the second question is, have you picked it up? Have you picked it up? The cross that you and I may be asked to bear by our Lord can be all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Perhaps it involves friends and family looking down on you because you're taking your Christian faith to heart. Perhaps it is that you can no longer roll along with the culture of, of, work, of what's going on at work anymore. That you just can't smile and laugh along with it. And as a result, you're taking some flack. Perhaps it's knowing that you can no longer pretend that the sinful lifestyle that you have gotten very comfortable with, that you realize that you cannot simply go the path of least resistance anymore and continue in that sinful lifestyle if you are going to be a faithful witness to your Lord and his truth. Perhaps it is bearing up under ongoing chronic pain that lasts not just for a few days or for a few weeks, but that this has been going on for years. And the challenge of bearing up under that discomfort to the glory of the Lord to be a powerful witness to your Christian patience. Or perhaps it is finally turning on that pet sin that has been your pet sin for a very long time and not treating it like a pet sin anymore. Whether it's drinking to excess, or whether your pet sin is, is laziness, or whether your pet sin is gossip, or whether your pet sin is indulging in lust over social media, or whether that cross is dealing with your hair-triggered temper that you have let fly off too often, or whether that pet sin is envy when you consider the lives of others, or any number of other pet sins that you know you have to face down. Brothers and sisters, you and I must confess to each other and to our Lord that there have been all kinds of moments that you and I have chosen not to pick up the cross, that it's too inconvenient, too difficult, too hard. But every time we have failed to do that, you and I have failed our Lord, and we have failed in the very purpose for why we are here. But that reminds us why Jesus came. When Jesus went to the cross, he took upon himself 
even those sinful failures when you and I have failed to pick up the cross appointed for us. He carried those to the cross as well. And through his suffering and death, his blood has washed them all away. And now through faith in our living Lord, he assures us that we're cleansed, that he blankets us in the perfection of the perfect life he has lived on our behalf, and that we are his, and he is ours. Peter. Peter, who had such a sharp exchange with Jesus in this moment. Peter never forgot what Jesus said to him that day. In fact, he shared what Jesus said to him with another uh, proclaimer of God's word, a man by the name of Mark, and the Holy Spirit used Mark to write the Gospel of Mark, to record these words. And years later, according to early church history, Peter continued to carry the crosses in his life until he met his end on a literal cross. According to early church tradition, he was crucified upside down because he did not, want, he did not think he was worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. What sustained him? What sustained him through all those years of proclaiming God's word under difficulty and hardship and persecution and pain? It was God's forgiveness of Peter's every sin. It was God's forgiveness of Peter's every sin. Shortly before his death, Peter had some closing words in his last letter for you and me to read in his final letter. In part, he says that because of Jesus, you and I look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And so that was shining out before Peter's eyes for the rest of his life. And he also tells us that as long as you and I are still in this life, to grow, to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's full forgiveness sustained Peter through all the years to come until the Lord called him home. That is what sustains you and me too. And so whatever cross the Lord has placed in your life, you and I, empowered by God's forgiveness, can pick it up to the glory of our Lord. And through it, the Lord will demonstrate to those around us what an awesome Savior you and I have. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.